To me, the key is the host and the people in it. If there's a good variety of people with different backgrounds, to me, that will enrich that book club so much more. The one thing I find I like is that we do meet in person, and it's very much a foodie group, and the food is always related to the book. So, like for example, right now we're reading a book that takes place in France, so it's French food. So that kind of makes it interesting because it ties in with the book. So that's just an added incentive to, you know, totally enjoy the whole experience. It's not just about the book; it's about interacting and and enjoying the, the food and wine and whatnot. So that, that that's a part of it that I really enjoy with my, with my book club. Welcome to Triple Vision, the podcast that reveals the stories of blindness in Canada, one story at a time. I'm David Best, your host, bringing you another episode of Triple Vision. The intent of the Triple Vision podcast is to recount the past, present, and future of blindness in Canada. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of the Triple Vision team nor its suppliers, partners, or sponsors. The material and information presented here is for entertainment and general information purposes only. The Triple Vision team appreciates that there is a diversity of views to be shared on the topics that we cover, and we embrace this diversity. For more information about the Triple Vision podcast, visit the website at www.triplevision.team. That is www.triplevision.team. Now, let's join Peter Field and Caroline Bordeaux in another exciting conversation. Thank you, David. Today, we're going to be talking about book clubs. And we've done some podcasts in the past where we talked about library services and access to books. But it struck us when we were talking around podcast ideas that I'd say in the last, what, five years, Carolyn, book clubs have sort of popped up all over the place? More so through COVID, I think. Yeah, and I think they popped up for everybody. But I think what we really noted is how accessible they are now to people who are blind, partially sighted, people who are deafblind. And we thought we'd talk about that. So Carolyn, you're a member of a book club and you have a couple of your book club members with us. So Carolyn, I'll just get you to tell us who they are. And Chris and Pasquale, will get you guys to jump in and tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline. And through COVID, we had a great friends group that just kind of evolved on text, iMessages, basically. And we started talking about books, but different people in the group didn't want to talk about books. So we created something, we just called it like book club or book chat. And that was not your conventional book club. We don't have meetings for that group we all read different books we make recommendations and sometimes we even have arguments about those books in those threads so i invited chris and pasquale to join us and to dig in a bit about what that's like chris can you introduce yourself and then we'll get i'm chris jonas from toronto i like caroline was talking about as a result of covid there were a number of different chat groups that suddenly just popped up I'm probably a part of three or four different ones. But one of them is the book clubs one, which as Caroline was saying, it's not really what 
you would consider a traditional book club in that it's more like a chat group and we all just, whenever we feel like it, whenever we have something to say about a book we're reading or want to make a comment on some other book that someone else has posted about, we'll just go in and write a few comments. A lot of times they can be quite humorous. It's not really something that I think anyone takes all that seriously. It's just an opportunity to share ideas about different books, you know, add a little bit of humor, just keep the conversation going, and just another avenue for us to chat about things that we've been doing and things that we've been reading. So that's mostly it. I know that Caroline and Pasquale and Sylvia, my wife, is part of other blind book clubs as well, which I'm not a part of, but I think we're talking mostly about the one that we do on the chat. That's just a brief overview of my take on it. So, yeah. Pasquale? Hi, I'm Pasquale Agnone from Long Island, New York. Yeah, pretty much what Chris said. It was just, it's a chat group just to share what we have been reading, maybe the opinion about the book or whatnot. That's really it. Yeah, do you all read the same book or are you just sharing about books that you individually are reading? Individually. We, we all yeah. tend to read different books unless you happen, mm. unless you happen to be part of the same book club, which... Right. Yeah, some of us are, some of us are not. But we all tend to share ideas independently in, in this book club chat. Another thing I wanted to mention, I should have mentioned earlier, with the access from Zoom and having such wonderful iMessages and FaceTime, we've also been able to branch out. So not everyone is in Canada. We even have a member in Australia. So we can basically be anywhere. And mm -hmm. I think that makes it a much more rich experience. Are you using Zoom some, sometimes then, Carolyn, or is it all straight through text chat? This is all straight through text chat, but we mm. have Zoom for just social things. Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting because I remember trying to join a book club about, well, it could have been 20, 25 years ago, something like that, and I just had to stop because I couldn't get access to the same books that everybody else had. So really, that's that's what we wanted to pick up on today is it seems much more possible now to do something like this. Proliferation of books, the kinds of formats, you can virtually get, I think, just about any book, certainly that's out there for the general public. I can, you know, maybe some academic stuff and more technical stuff might be harder to get, but through Kindle, Sella, Nels, Audible, Libby, Bookshare, Bard, which is in the US, I think, you know, there's access to just about any book. Have you guys and Carolyn, have you found that? Is that what has that been your experience? Yeah, I do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get them from everywhere. Yeah, like, I, I, um, I'm mainly, I don't know why, I just find it so easy, uh, the accessibility of Libby. So what, what is Libby? Maybe you can explain that to people who don't know. Libby is an app. I think there's a web base, but I use the app on the iPhone to download any of the ebooks or audiobooks. I prefer only audiobooks. I don't like to have my screen reader read the entire book. I think it just too much. The you know automated voice mm. is too much. So yeah, I download the audiobooks from my public library. So you have to have a library card and you can log on using your credentials and that's it. And anything audible audiobooks or ebooks, just quickly download it. I mean, obviously there's a waiting list. There's only a limited amount of books that your library might have, a certain amount of copies. So sometimes I'm on the waiting list. And if it happens to be that the waiting list is four or six weeks and my book club is reading it in two weeks, that's when I'll jump on board. Mm -hmm. 
Right. The BARD, there's no way mm-hmm. they're just it's there, download. Is BARD run by the US government? Is that where that comes <clears throat> from? Or the Library of Congress, I should yes, say? Yes. Yes. It's, okay. You know, for the, the Library for the Blind, you just have to show proof, and wherever, whatever state you're in, you have access to it. So, so Pasquale, I'm just curious, if, through BARD, do you get the same commercially recorded versions as you can get on Libby or on it, Audible? It, it used to be where there were volunteers would read the book. But because audiobooks have become so popular, there are a lot more of the commercial audiobooks in BARD now. Obviously, BARD, if there's a print book that hasn't been made into audio format that's when a volunteer will read it and you know we all know hopefully the voice of the person is good because if it's not like oh i don't care how good that book is it is is ruined for you yeah (laughs) so the narrator plays a very important part but yeah you could get commercial books. Yeah, so so with me, it's it's similar. I use Libby a lot because I like most of them are commercially recorded and they, they just tend to be more entertaining and easier yeah. to listen to. If there's a long wait list, then I will go to Sella, which is usually they have almost all of the books. They're not all of them, but most of them. They're usually, a lot of the time, you can get the commercially recorded ones or you know sometimes just like very good volunteer recorded ones as well yeah. but my first yes yeah, so, so Sela, and then i'll go to Sela. sorry chris i was going to say just so just to clarify for people Sela is the center for equitable library access right. and that's the old yeah. cnib library for the blind which basically the public libraries right. took over how about you peter what's your mostly audible i i have to say i read a book every two or three weeks these days so the amount of reading that i do i pretty much get everything off audible and i find that great of course i find it fairly economical in the co- in terms of the cost of a book it's now about $14 a book, I think, more or less. So it's fairly economical. I'd have to agree with Pasquale that I prefer the human narration over the computer-generated narration. It's a lot easier to listen to. I think I was telling you, Carolyn, and our team when we were preparing for this interview that I'm reading a book right now by Anne-Marie MacDonald, who's a Canadian fictional writer, and she happens to read the book. And I've had authors read books before, and you know they've been okay, but she actually performs the book, which I think is quite amazing that she can author the wow. book and basically perform the book on Audible. So I think... For me, one exception to human narrated books Mm. that I can't do human narrated is if I'm reading something really technical, like if it's Mm -hmm. it's a law book or something that I need to go back and forth on multiple times, I prefer e-text. You have more of a... You prefer e-text? I have a lot more... You have more of a grasp on it. You can actually, you know, read it word by word. If you don't know how to pronounce it, you can spell it out. Exactly. On (laughs) audiobooks, you're like, oh, what was that? Same as cookbooks, yeah. (laughs) Chris, you mentioned that you belong to other book clubs or are connected, at least connected with other book clubs. Some are book clubs for the blind. I understand some of you are involved in book clubs specifically for the blind. Some of you are involved in book clubs, which is sort of mixed, people who have visual impairments and not. So just curious, is there any particular draw to a book club for people who are blind or visually impaired in particular, or does it just kind of happen that way? So... I, I would answer that to say that there probably is a reason. I I myself am not a member of a book club that is just for visually impaired people. I am part of one that is mixed, and it's run quite differently. Mm. I find that all book clubs have 
their own unique way of, of being run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like the one that that I'm with, which was based in our condominium. Okay. And a lot of them are run quite differently. But in terms of your question about why people would why blind people would go to a blind book club, I think it's just because there's that shared experience. They you know they have a common format. Like typically, most blind people will use the audio format. They know mm-hmm. what the sources are. They can compare what's available. They can talk about the narration, which is not something that is usually talked about in a non-blind book club. Mm, right. So there's there's things like that, just things that everyone is familiar with who who has a visual impairment when it comes to reading books that maybe you won't be exposed to if you're part of a sighted book club. Do you ever run into barriers in a mixed book club? Or is it just, as you said, you're hearing it through human narration and the other people may be reading well, it? The, o- the only barrier would be like on rare occasions, and it's maybe only about not even 5% of the time, the mm. cited book club may choose a book that is not available in audio format. And mm. that has right. happened a number of times over the years. But it's like, as I said, it's maybe only 5% of the time. And mm. then it's usually an option of, well, okay, I do have a little bit of partial vision. I can use my you know, CCTV or you know get it in ebook format and use oh, an okay. ebook reader. Mm-hmm. Or just on occasion, and usually it's because I, I don't find the that particular book interesting anyway i say i use it as an excuse and say well i couldn't find it in audio <laughs> format so i couldn't read it hi i'm rob minow and i'm ryan flurry and i'm steve barkley and we are the hosts of the at banter podcast Banter Banter. The AT Banter Podcast is a podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. And we have a cowbell. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts or online at atbanter.com. How about you, Carolyn? I think you're part of a mixed book club. Yeah, so we used to have one at our condo building, and unfortunately, some of the people have moved away and Mm. aren't able to stay with it. But I enjoy both. Like, they're just different. The book club that Pasquale and I belong to, which is mostly vision impaired or blind people, has come together again. Like, it came through a blindness organization. It was a CCB book club. And... I really wasn't sure what I was walking into, but I found it to be extremely organized. It didn't wander quite so much. I kind of like that because you can prepare for it. You know you're going to discuss the book sometimes, most of the time. I've been part of book clubs in the past where you read the book, you prepare, you come ready with questions, and nobody's read the book. And it's like, that would be me. why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I do find with this CCB one, people are very, for the most part, very good at knowing the book. Wouldn't you say, Pasquale? Yeah, most of us are reading the books. Uh, you know, I mean, what's, what's the point of joining the book club or showing up if you haven't read it? It's like, it's a discussion, right. Right. you know, yeah. and to, you know, continue on what Carolyn said, it's the host of the book club. And the gentleman who runs this mm. book club is an avid, avid reader. Like he will mm. pick yeah. apart that book so much 
that it's like oh yeah it's wow, like an english wow. academic course. it just opens up your mind and <laughs> that's what i like about book club mm. you know what i have my perspective mm. i know what i got out of it now you know a book could be deep or it could be it just to me the key is the host and the people in it if there's mm. a good variety of people yes. with different backgrounds to me that will enrich that book club so much more right. what do you like to read pasquale what would you recommend oh well what was that book um oh Kellen, help me um the long one that i read twice well, with um julia whaling as the narrator schwab what is her name oh no happy place or my no, oxford no, no, year no, no, no. Oh. none of these oh what Lee did you read schwab. <laughs> what, she's the author um oh yes the secret Addie life LaRue, yes yes Addie LaRue, yeah. yes what was, that was it an amazing book what was it? The Secret Life of Addie LaRue? Secret Life? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Is it either The Hidden or Secret Life? Okay. Remember. Fantastic book. But, so it's yeah. a historical fiction. Mm. It was. Historical fiction. I kind of like... Historical fiction. Yeah, okay. I kind of like that because, you know, they put a nice story with history. And I, I kind of like history. Mm. I, you know, it was one mm. of my favorite mm -hmm. uh, topics in school. So it's, you know, educational and then you have a nice little story with it, a little romance perhaps or whatnot, but I, li I like mm. his story. And then it really matters on mm. the mood I'm in. I tell you one thing, I picked right. up four books this month and I just got rid of them all. Uh -huh. I'm just not in the mood this month. <laughs> really? Do you have any questions, Carolyn, that you wanted to ask at this point? The one question that we were talking about the other day, which is, do you think that we actually make that choice for going to just a vision impaired slash blind book club it's deliberate um some i like i don't think it's deliberate i think we fell into that one but mm -hmm. i personally would just go to any book club if it's available to me and i can get to it I yeah preference. so uh, well, go i was ahead, just Chris. gonna ask uh, you guys do you do you meet in person with your blind book club pasquale and caroline or is it virtual it's zoom it's okay. a Zoom book club. We've met in person for a yeah. social, but we didn't talk so, about it. So that. one thing <laughs> I, I find I like with the, the mixed one I'm with is that we do meet in person, and it's very much a foodie group. Like, it's all about food, and the food is always related to the <laughs> book. So, like, for example, right now we're reading a book oh, that nice. takes place in France. So it's French food, <laughs> and Ooh. that's coming up next weekend. Yeah. And so we're going to have, like, Coco Van is going to be the main dish, and they're all going to be French sides and whatnot. So that kind of makes it interesting because it yeah. ties in with the book and we all love food. So that's just an added mm -hmm. incentive to, you know, want to prepare for that meeting and totally enjoy the whole experience. It's not yeah. just about the book. It's about interacting mm -hmm. and, yeah. and enjoying the, the food and wine mm -hmm. and whatnot. So that, that that's a part of it that I really enjoy with my, with my book club. Do you meet every month then, Chris? We, we How long does it take weeks, for people to read a book? Weeks. And yeah. Okay. It's funny because yeah. our host for the book club that we do virtually, he is a foodie himself. And in the beginning, he would yes. always pull out some of the ingredients and some of the food from the books. Oh, Remember that? Yeah, and he hasn't been doing that. But the that. problem is that we don't meet yeah. in person. So it's like, okay, here, you want to go ahead and try this food? Go ahead. Like, that's all it was. But you guys seem to get the experience, you know, in person. Maybe oh, yeah. Make and, it. 
and and people go all out like whoever's hosting will go all out and like really put a lot of effort nice. into it that's really kind of cool that's great yeah. Peter, do you have any questions? We talked a little bit earlier about the difference between human narration and computer-generated narration. And I guess what I was thinking about there is there's likely going to come a day when you, with AI, you probably won't even notice the difference. So I was wondering what the three of you think in terms of the future of book clubs and reading when it comes to artificial intelligence. Do you see that changing much? What do you see on the horizon? For students, I think it'll change a lot because uh, I can see like a student, if they have to do a book report, instead of actually reading the book and, and doing a lot of research, they'll just say, hey, AI, write me a book report on this book. I, mm -hmm. I, can, I can see that really having an impact in our public school system. In mm -hmm. terms of adult book clubs, I don't. I don't really know if there's going to be much difference as a result of AI because people do enjoy reading or listening to books. And I don't know if the format, there's going to be any enhancements to format because of AI. Because we pretty mm. much have access to books in, in the format that we like already. Right, right. Pascual, uh, do you have anything no, to add? Pretty much that? I agree with Chris. I don't see much of a difference. I mean, we read a book to escape, right? To jump into a different yes. world sometimes and just get swept away and just yeah. enjoy the moment. So it's like, I don't, I don't see much of a change. So what, one of the big challenges that we've kind of faced over the years and, and many years and up until at this point was the fact that publishers haven't until this point done sort of, I'll call it same time publishing in formats that we can access opposed, as opposed to the print book. That's obviously changing. Can you foresee a time when the audio version or the e-text version is available at the same time and publishers make deliberate efforts to make sure that happens? Maybe it's happening now. I'm not sure. I think ebooks are very popular. They're pretty much coming out exactly mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Actually, probably mm -hmm. before, because yeah. it's yeah. a digital version and then it comes mm. to print from an ebook. But when it comes to audio, it takes a little time, I'm sure, to get the narrator and production. Well, although I, I don't think the lag is that much anymore, Pasquale, because no. if you look on Audible, I think they uh, have it like almost. Like very quickly after the print version comes in. Audiobooks have yeah. definitely skyrocketed. This industry has blossomed. Yeah, because mm -hmm. the mark people recognize or the the publishers recognize there's a bigger market there, right? Or a huge market. Yeah. You know, people read or listen to ebooks or Audible books when they're driving and so on. That's the market has kind yeah. of exploded. Uh, and and I, I think ebooks are becoming more and more and will continue to become more and more popular just because you can put like, you know, 100 books on a Kindle and it's very light. Yeah. It's easy to transport. You can mm. adjust the font yeah. size if you want, etc. Like So it's a really convenient to, to read it that way. Absolutely. Or to listen to it if it's audio. And yet I've been told by so many people that it doesn't replace their actual holding the book the smell of the book, the turning of the pages. Like to them, it's a ritual, which I don't relate to at all. But but is that a cultural right. thing? Like, is that mostly older people that are used to the books? And now as ebooks become more of the norm, will that kind of go away? Like, I'm that's what I'm wondering. I keep thinking, Chris, yes. I, I keep thinking that is going to happen. And yet publishers are still putting out paper books. Yeah, I can just imagine, for example, that it's it's different holding a paper book in your hand as opposed to holding a reader in your hand. 
Maybe that's the difference, right? You've got this tangible thing with print on the page that I guess you access it differently and, and people are still, many of them still wanting their print books. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the money is still, like, if they if if the books weren't selling, they wouldn't be printing them. Let's face right. that. Right. People are still buying it, right? Because it's probably cheaper to produce an e-book than a print book. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You can do it yourself. Like, yeah. Well, there. If you're a publisher, your your returns are going to be higher on an ebook, I think, than a print book. Oh, for sure, yeah. Likely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Any last words from you three book club members on books or book clubs or? Chris, Pasquale, any thoughts about specifically our book chat, like what it's been like for you? Just like you know what we mentioned already, just being exposed to different books that. I might not have picked up or thought of reading that somebody might have put a little synopsis in there. I'm like, oh, wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, the, the same with me. I mean, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a little curious why, because there are other, well, I guess I'm thinking mostly about the international family where I don't really join that yeah. very often, but I know a lot of you guys do a couple times every week. And I could see that kind of developing with the book club thing if there was enough interest right i don't know if there is because most of us are already a part of other book clubs but i just think it's a really cool way of getting ideas from from other readers and and sharing our own thoughts about books we've we've read so it's very informal but it's 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 pretty cool i i I kind of like contributing to that Mm -hmm. for me it's been what i like about it is that there's no time pressure i'm not reading a book for a specific time. I can read it whenever I want to and I can yeah. come back to it whenever I want to. And I can comment on a book that you read last year. You know, it, it's not, yeah. I think it's a lot more free yeah. flowing. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, Triple Vision, talking about books and happy reading. Yeah, same to you guys. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks, Peter and Caroline, for that interesting conversation. I would think that it seems like society is moving more and more toward the audio interface with audible books and GPS and things like Alexa and Google and Siri. And I would say that it looks pretty good because this is one area where blind people can be fully integrated as long as the book club website is accessible. So what is your thoughts, Peter? Yeah, so we got people around the table, or at least Carolyn got members of her book club around the table because we wanted to sort of check that theory out, that the reason why people who are part of the blind, partially sighted, deafblind community have been got have gotten more involved in book clubs is because those books are more accessible than they ever were. And I think that came out loud and clear for sure. Chris talked a little bit about how occasionally um, there was a slight difference between the audio version and the print version and that seemed to be fine yeah i thought as you said david uh we're you know we're really really at a place where there's greater participation and more participation than ever how about you carolyn i tend to agree um i think the fact that we have access to so much right now makes this a really exciting area for for our community because you can get books that are human recorded that are made for the general public. So it's not a special extra expensive service that somebody has to have, right? Like we can just use a book from the library 
without having to adapt it or do anything to it, which is really exciting and different. And I think it's something we've all been hoping for anyway. And then the other thing about the accessibility of the site. So you've got two different things happening. So they, the site that you get your books from, yes, it needs to be accessible. And I'm hoping that when those get updated, that we don't lose the accessibility or they don't break it. Hmm. But also the place where the book club discussions are conducted yeah. is more and more accessible. Like, so we use text messages in that book club, but you know, we also use Zoom for other ones. And of course there are the in-person ones, but um, yeah, it, it's been really nice to have. Yeah. So going back to the idea that we're pretty much getting access to almost every book that we would like, it makes me wonder about that podcast that we did almost a year ago now with um, some publishers in Alberta and talked about the kind of the same time publishing uh, or just in time publishing where publishers put out accessible versions of the book the same time as they put out print versions of the book. And now it makes me think mm -hmm. this is almost becoming a non-issue. Uh, it is an issue still, I think, because if somebody wants to have access to an ebook, not just a human narrated, it does need to be made properly so that mm. it's readable by the right. screen readers or technology. And then the other thing is that, you know, putting in the proper image descriptions and all of those things that you'd expect from a book that's been published. Okay, one step forward, two steps back, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the future looks bright. Okay, thanks, David. Thanks, Carolyn. And once again, Carolyn, thank you to your book club for joining us on the podcast today. And we invite listeners to tune in to our next episode of Triple Vision in a month's time. Triple Vision is made possible by the generous support of Alliant, A-L-L-Y-A-N-T, and the Alliance for Equality of Blind Canadians, A-E-B-C. Thank you for joining us on this journey. If you would like to reach out to Triple Vision with questions or comments, you can email us at triplevision21 at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at triplevision21.